God is already doing miracles with this program because one of the biggest parts of this program is the work that we want to do in Pedronales in the Dominican Republic. It's right on the Haitian border, and there's a community that's kind of a forgotten community there, and they need water, they need education, they need medical care, they need food, and we want to be on the ground floor of this, uh, of this program with Children of the Nations to help bring those things to this community. And so we've already had a couple of amazing, generous donors that have donated $50,000 for this project. That's amazing. Like, that is unbelievable. And so what's amazing is that they wanted this to be a matching gift. And so for every dollar you give, it's doubled. And we've had other people say, hey, I want to sponsor an entire part of this. So we had another couple give us $5,000. And so every dollar that you give is doubled up to this $50,000. And so we want to make a big difference. If you're interested in being a part of this, you can go to our website. You have the information. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be done on this campus. I mean, it's, it, it, there's some TLC that needs to be done to a lot of these rooms. And if you don't keep up with stuff, then it goes bad. And we have to be stewards of what God's blessed us with, right? And, and there's a difference between excellence and extravagance. We don't need extravagance, but we do need excellence. And there's a lot of rooms in here that are not excellent that we need to get up to standard um, to look better and to be updated and all of those things, okay? So I wanna encourage you to be a part of that. We're also going to take a team, if you're interested in the Pedronalis thing, we're gonna take another vision team there, I believe at the end of April, I think it is the end of April or the end of May. I, I can get you those dates. But, but um, if you want to go check out the work in the Dominican Republic, so if you're interested in, in being um, a contributor to that, to that project, you can go check it out with us. I think it's around $3,000 for room, board, flights, food, everything um, to go kind of check out what God's doing there and what we're going to be doing in that community. So a lot, a lot of really neat things, um, that are going on. And so you can get more information. There's a longer video. Uh, we short showed you the shorter one, but if you go to our website, you can check that out um, as well. Okay. So today we are finishing the law. Thank God, right? We are getting through these first five books called the Torah. And finally, um, we're going to be through all of this doom and gloom, laws and rules and all of this stuff that's going on. And then next week, we're going to begin, like, we sh uh, like what Brooke had mentioned earlier, we're going to begin a new mini-series. We've developed these mini-series within this overall series of This Is My Bible. And we're calling it um, uh, Ordinary People used in extraordinary ways. And I think oftentimes we forget when we read the Bible, and this is important to remember, that when we're reading the Bible, we're reading about real people. We're reading about real places. We're reading about real events, right? This isn't, this isn't fake information. This is real, true history, things that really you know, happen, documented history. And so we're reading about real stuff that is going on. So when we begin this new one, ordinary people use in extraordinary ways, it's amazing to see people just like you and I, people just like you, people just like me, that God used in incredible ways. Next week, we're going to begin with the book of Joshua. So we're going to look at Joshua, and then we're going to see amazing stories like Samson and David, and it's going to be some incredible stuff um, that God does over the next few weeks with this new series. And you'll take a look at them and say, if God can use them, why can't God use me? 
All right, so the book of Deuteronomy, you have your cheat sheet. All right, we do these overviews for you every single week. And it's been great to hear stories of people making notebooks out of these. And, and it's just a really kind of a modern outline for you guys. And on the back are, are the message notes for today. You can also check out our New Hope Eastlake um, app as well. So book of Deuteronomy, turn to the book of Deuteronomy. It's the fifth book of the Old Testament. So you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy, which is where we're gonna be today. So we're gonna look at the historical content. We're gonna look at key people, key events. Key events is where we're gonna spend most of our time. And then we're gonna wrap it up with life applicational components of this book. So this book, as the first four were, are accredited to Moses. Now Moses dies at the end of this book, so obviously there were other contributors to this book at the end because Moses cannot account his own death, right? So there's others um, that put stuff together um, at the end. This is part of the Torah, the last book of, of, of the uh, Pentateuch or the books of the law. The word Deuteronomy is a Greek word. So there's a translation called the Septuagint. Um, they translated the Old Testament into the Greek, so it was a modern version or a modern language um, at that time when it was translated. And they gave this book the name Deuteronomy, which is a Greek word. And it just simply means this, second law. If you've read, if you're doing the Bible in a year with us and you've been reading through the book of De Deuteronomy, you're like, haven't I already read all this stuff before? Especially the first 10 chapters. You're like, I thought, like, I've already read all this. Well, you're right. You did read it all. Remember, this is a new generation. Remember last week we talked about the first generation of Israelites that were supposed to be on this four, 11 day journey into the promised land. Remember, they get right at the edge of the promised land. They're right there, right on the edge, and they don't cross. And because of their fear and their disobedience, they did not do what God told them to do. God had told him he went before them. He had already paved the way. He had already fought the battle. All they had to do was take the land. And they didn't do it. They turned around. They were scared. And so as a result, none of that first generation was able to enter the promised land. They spent another 38 years and 10 months, to be exact, wandering in the wilderness. And God literally waited for that entire first generation to die off and then he restarts with their kids and grandkids to bring this new generation into the promised land. So if a lot of what you're reading seems redundant, it is because Moses is speaking to a new generation. Does that make sense? So you have this new generation and he's rehashing all of the laws and the Ten Commandments and all the ceremonial laws and, and the kosher diet and, and all of those things that God had instructed their parents um, Moses is reinstructing again to this current group. In the book of Deuteronomy, there are 250 references to the first four books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers in this book. Moses in this book gives three farewell speeches. He's getting older, and Moses will die at the end of the book. There are over 21 references. This is interesting, and this is really important. There are over 21 references in this book to the word love. And this is important, really important, because oftentimes in our Christian lives, we can do stuff out of duty 
and not out of love. And God wants to make it clear that really a sign of spiritual growth in your life, a sign of spiritual development in our lives, is when we begin doing things for God because we want to, not because we have to. Does that make sense? We do it out of love, not out of duty. And so this word love we see over 21 times in this book because God wants our heart, not just our obedience. He wants our obedience, but he wants our heart. And so this is stated over and over that we do things because we love God, not because we have to do what God has told us um, to do. There are 445 references in the Bible alone to this book. 445 throughout the Bible just to this book. As a matter of fact, Jesus referenced the book of Deuteronomy more than any other book of the law during his ministry. Now, during this series, I've tried to kind of give you like, hey, the book divides in the two sections or three sections or whatever, kind of simple ways to remember the book. And the book of Deuteronomy, I've done the same thing. Three simple sections in the book of Deuteronomy. The first one is this. Moses is reminding them of what God did, right? So they're looking back at what God did, um, not only in their lives, but what he brought them out of. And then the second section, Moses is reminding them what God is doing right now. And then Moses wants to tell them what God is going to do. So three sections, what God did, what God is doing, and what God will do in the lives of of the people. Currently, during this book, they are in Moab. They literally are right across, right across the Jordan River, right across from the promised land, just waiting to go in. There's two words that give us a common theme in this book, and these are really important. The two words are this, remember and learn. Remember and learn. You'll see this over and over. Moses wants them to remember what God has done. Moses wants them to remember the prior mistakes that were made by the previous generation. And then Moses wants them to learn from the miracles and everything that God has done in their lives. But also Moses wants them to learn from the mistakes that their parents and grandparents made. I put a little chart in your notes. I'm not going to take the time to go over it. You can go over it um, Uh, at home or a little bit later this week. Key people. There's only a few. We have Moses, obviously, who's the leader of the people of Israel. He rescued them from Egyptian bondage. You have the Israelites themselves. This is a new generation, this younger generation of Israelites. And then you have Joshua. We'll study the book of Joshua next week. Joshua would succeed Moses as the leader of the children of Israel. So Joshua will become the new leader Remember, Joshua was one of those 12 spies that Moses sent to scope out the promised land. And Joshua is one of the two people from the previous generation that God is going to allow into the promised land. Not even Moses gets to go to the promised land. But we have two from the first generation. Those were Joshua and Caleb because they had positive reports and they wanted to take the land when the other 10 spies were spreading horrible reports and how scared they were to enter the land. So Deuteronomy chapter one, we're gonna read the first uh, few verses and kind of give us the setting for where we're at. So Deuteronomy, the book records the words that Moses spoke. Now this, actually these first few words, this is actually, if you 
if you were to look at a Hebrew Bible, this is the name of the original name of the book of Deuteronomy. It's, and these are the records of the words. So, but they changed it obviously to De Deuteronomy. That he spoke to all the people of Israel while they're in the wilderness east of the Jordan River. They were camped in the Jordan Valley near Suf, between Paran on one side and Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, Dizab on the other. Normally, it takes only 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. That was right on the edge. Remember, we talked about this. This should have been an 11-day journey, but that 11-day journey turned, turned in to nearly 40 years because they didn't listen to God going by the way of Mount Seir. But 40 years after the Israelites left Mount Sinai, on a day in midwinter, Moses gave these speeches to the Israelites, telling them everything the Lord had commanded them to say. Skip down to verse five. And so Moses addressed the people of Israel. While they were in the land of Moab, east of the Jordan River, he began explaining the law as follows. Again, he repeats all of the stuff that he repeated earlier because he has a different audience, a new audience. Many of them wouldn't have remembered a lot of the things that Moses had instructed them to do. And what's interesting and what we're going to look at here when we look at key events is the advice that Moses gives them is so applicable for us today. Because they're coming off a, a generation of failure, a generation that made a lot of mistakes a generation that did not see the promised land. And for us, many of us in our lives, we've made mistakes. We look back and we're like, man, if I could only change that, if I could rewrite the story, if I could have a redo, I would do this, this, and this over again. And so it's really good advice for us, learning from mistakes that we've made, and from maybe people around us, mistakes that people have made around us. And Moses gives them really three things to do and three things to prioritize. He gives this generation, but I believe he's also giving it to us as well. And the first one is this, and these are in your notes. Moses encourages them to take a glance back. That's chapters one through four. Take a glance back. Now notice I said glance. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Look at, look at verse six. He tells them to take a glance back. When we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, you've stayed at the mountain long enough. It's time to break camp and move on. Go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all the neighboring regions in the Jordan Valley, the hill country in the western foothills, the Negev, the coastal plains. Go to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon and all the way to the great Euphrates River. For I am giving you this land. Go in, occupy it, for it is the land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and to all their descendants. Moses is telling them, remember, we've told you. God has already given you the land. He's already gone before you. Go and take the land. Skip over to verse 26. Same chapter. But you rebelled against the command of the Lord. God said, the land is yours. Take it. I've already provided it for you. But that generation rebelled against God. And they refused to go in. 
You murmured and you complained in your tents and said, The Lord must hate us, bringing us here from Egypt to be slaughtered by these Amorites. Oh, God. How can we go on? Our scouts have demoralized us with their report. And they say to all the people in the land, Oh, they're taller than us. They're more powerful than we are. And all the walls of the towns go so high to the sky, God. They even have giants, Lord. They're bigger than us. Verse 32. I'll quit the drama. But even after all he did, you refuse to trust the Lord your God who goes before you, looking for the best places of camp, guiding you by a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud by day. God's saying, even though I did everything possible to get you where I promised you, you still whined and complained and had excuse after excuse after excuse why you couldn't enter the land. What's interesting, a little side note, when we get into the book of Joshua next week, Rahab actually tells us that the people in the promised land were deathly scared of the Israelites. And yet the Israelites were scared of them and yet they had no idea that they were all scared of them. Interesting how God works. Verse 33. Who goes before you for the best places to camp, guiding you with a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day? When the Lord heard the complaining, he became very angry and solemnly swore, not one of you from this entire wicked generation will live to see the good land that I swore to give to your ancestors. God tells them, take a glance back. And you need to remember two things. One, remember everything that I've done for you. I've provided for you. I gave you manna from heaven. I parted the Red Sea. I brought all of the, uh, 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 all of the plagues on Egypt so that you would be free. I fed you manna from heaven. I guided you with a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. I mean, what else can I do? I gave you the land. All you had to do was step across that threshold and take it. And you didn't. And so Moses said, you need to take a glance back and remember everything that God has done for you. Isn't it good for us to do that? Because a lot of times when we get in circumstances and we have bad weeks and bad months and bad seasons, things that are difficult, we often forget how good God has been to us in the past. And so it's good to remember. There's another thing that's good to remember as well. And Moses says this, you need to take a glance back and remember the past. Remember mistakes that were made. Because... It's important. Mistakes can be life lessons for us. Mistakes that we've made, mistakes that maybe our parents or grandparents or people close to us have made, they can be great lessons for us. And a lot of times we say, well, you know, my past is a past. I don't even want to go there. I don't even, and that's good. That's good. But, but even though in the Lord's eyes, we know that it goes away. God forgives us and it's gone. He remembers it no more. But our past is never really truly gone, and nor should it be, because of this. It's good to take a glance back and to learn and not make the same mistakes that we made in the past. You see, failure is not final, but repetition is. We keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again, then that can really be fatal 
in our walk with God. It can be fatal in our lives. It can be fatal to our families. It can be fatal to our spiritual development. All of those things. Moses tells them to take a glance back, to look back, to learn from mistakes. Now, notice I put in your notes, take a glance back. A glance. We don't want to stare. We want a glance. Because when we stare, that's when we live there. And we live in regret, and it keeps us from moving forward. We take a glance. We don't stare we take a glance. Okay, I made this mistake. I learn from it so that I don't repeat it. Not so that it can be used against me. Not so that it can be prevented. Nor not so that I can be prevented from being used by God. Because Satan oftentimes will use our past to keep us from moving forward for God. But our past can be a valuable lesson. A teaching tool for us. The Bible tells us, a prophet in the Old Testament told us, never forget the pit from which you've been dug. And so it's good to look back and to learn from the mistakes that we make in our lives. Pastor Jeremiah used to tell us uh, when I worked at Shadow Mountain, he used to tell me a lot. Remember, God gave you a mirror in your car and a window. The rear view mirror is small. It's very small. You're to glance at it. You don't drive in your rear view mirror. You do that, you're gonna get in trouble. You glance back, but your car is also equipped with a big window. It's bigger than the rear view mirror. We're to move forward, we're to drive forward. You glance back, but you drive forward. And so that's what Moses is telling them to do in those chapters. The second thing that Moses encourages them to do is to renew their dependence upon God. We see this in chapters five through 26. Moses recounts and reminds this new generation about the laws and the commandments. In chapters 5 through 11, Moses teaches them about the Ten Commandments, and he, reca he recaps and he expounds on those commandments. Chapters 12 through 16, he teaches and reminds them of the ceremonial laws. In chapters 17 through 20, he reminds them of the civil laws. In chapters 21 through 26, he reminds them of social laws. Turn to chapter 5, Deuteronomy chapter 5. Verse 1, it says, Moses called all the people of Israel together. Remember, this is, that, this is that new generation. And he said, listen carefully to all the laws and regulations that I'm giving you today. Learn them and be sure to obey them. While we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God made a covenant with us. The Lord did not make this covenant long ago with our ancestors, but with all of us that are alive today. This commandment is for you, is what he's saying. The Lord spoke to you face to face in the heart of the fire of the mountain. I stood as an, as an intermediary between you and the Lord. For you were afraid of the fire and did not climb the mountain. He spoke to me and I passed his words on to you. And this is what he said. And he recounts the Ten Commandments. Moses encourages them to make new commitments or recommitments to the Lord as they begin this journey. Look in chapter 6, verse 1. He says, these are all the commandments, the laws and the regulations that the Lord your God told me to teach you so that you obey them in the land that you are about to occupy. They're going into a pagan environment, an environment with different values, an environment that is polytheistic. They worship multiple gods. And so Moses reminds them, 
You need to be committed to the Lord your God. And look what he says. If you obey all of his laws and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Look at verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. In other words, there's one God. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly. This land that I've promised you, even though it's a land flowing with milk and honey, it's a very corrupt land. It's a very pagan land. And so you need to be committed like never before. And I find this true oftentimes in our lives. Oftentimes when God is, wants to do something great in our lives, he kind of puts us through a time where we have to recommit our promises, our values, what God has for us. We have to recommit to the Lord. And God is saying this promised land, even though I've provided it, it's not going to be easy. It is the promised land, but it's not going to be simple. And I want you to be everything that I created you to be. He reminds them of all the festivals that they're to celebrate. And so Moses says, look back, remember God's faithfulness, look back and learn from mistakes. Recommit yourself to me like you've never committed yourself before. And then the last thing that Moses encourages them to do in chapters 27 through 34, Moses tells them to move forward. Remember in chapter 1, he says, okay, it's time to pack up, everybody. It's time to pack up. We've been out this mountain too, too long. We've been there too long. It's time to pack everything up, and it's time to move forward. It's time to take the land that God had promised us. You learn from your mistakes. You remember what God has done in your lives. You've renewed your dependence upon God. And now it's time to move forward. Take that land. Fulfill your destiny. This is their time. Their generation. This group of Israelites. It's time to take the land that God promised to Abraham and to the descendants. Now I don't use this term too often. But I will today because I feel that it's appropriate. That what I'm about to say might be a word from the Lord for you in your life. Maybe it's time for you to move forward. You've been camped at the mountain long enough. You've allowed fear. You've allowed regret. You've allowed feeling sorry for yourself. You've allowed past mistakes to keep you stuck where you're at. And maybe God is telling you today. Maybe God is saying it's time for you to move forward. Enough with the pity party. Enough with the excuses. It's time to move forward. I talk to people all the time, all the time, that say, man, when I was younger, I really felt God wanted to do something great in my life. Or I really felt that maybe God is calling me into ministry. Or God was calling me to be a missionary. Or God wanted to do this in my life, but then life happened. Mistakes were made. Stuff happened around me. Some of it I could control, some of it I couldn't. And I got completely off course. Maybe God's telling you today, it's time to get back on course. That calling that I had on your life years ago, it doesn't go away. What I spoke to you about, those dreams, that passion you had in the past, it's not over. The previous generation stood right at the border of the promised land and they were paralyzed by fear 
by doubt and they didn't enter the promised land. And maybe you're at that place right now. Maybe you've come close. You've come right to the edge. But for whatever reason, maybe it's your past. Maybe it's doubts. Maybe it's fear of the future. Maybe you don't believe in yourself. And you're right on the edge. And you haven't crossed yet. And my question is why? Why? Maybe you've made past mistakes that have been detrimental to your life. And you've been living in guilt. You've been living in regret. You've lost confidence in yourself. And what's worse, you've lost confidence in the power of God in your life. Maybe you're even feeling sorry for yourself. Maybe God is telling you this morning, enough. It's time to get up, leave the guilt behind, lay the regret down, learn your lessons, quit feeling sorry for yourself, and move forward. Maybe you're here today and you've been content with where you're at in life. You no longer have drive the drive to be better. You've stopped dreaming. You've settled for mediocrity. And you've just allowed life to take its course. God's not finished with you. It's time to get up. It's time to press forward. Mediocrity has no place in the life of a believer. You've been camped at the mountain long enough. It's time to move forward to the promised land. Maybe you're here today and you're retired. Maybe you've been retired for a while and you've equated retirement with God being finished with you. And you say, you know, I've served in churches for a long time. I've been doing this at church and done that at church and I've, been, I've done it for so long. And all of your conversations are about how God used to use you in the past. There's nothing new. There's nothing fresh. It's all how God used to use you. You're content with just showing up to church and then going home. Maybe God is telling you it's time to move forward. Your story is not finished because if you're not dead, God is not done. <laughs> Moses was 80 years old when God called him on the greatest adventure of his life. And Moses did more for God and God used Moses in greater ways after the age of 80 than he did in his previous 80 years combined. The book closes with the death of Moses. But before he died, if you'll go over to chapter 34, God took Moses up on the mountain. And he says in verse 2, all the land of Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and the land of Manasseh and all the land of Judah, extending to the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev, the Jordan Valley with Jericho, the city of Palms, as far as Zor. Then the Lord said to Moses, this is the land that I promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I told them that I would give it to their descendants. And I have now allowed you to see it but you will not enter the land. I was talking with, I think it was Mark. I was talking with Mark like a week or two ago and we were talking about this and he's like, 
this doesn't seem fair. Like, after all that Moses has been through, after all that Moses has done, all that he's put up with, how God has used him, he's not allowed to go to the promised land? That is ridiculous. Like, what kind of God is that after everything that Moses has done? Like, he's going to do all the work and he doesn't even get to go to the promised land? Well, that would be harsh if that were the end of the story. But interesting enough, it is not the end of the story. According to the New Testament, in the book of Jude, the Bible tells us that the archangel Michael contended for the body of Moses. Contended with the devil with the body of Moses. And you're like, what? why in the world does Satan want Moses' body? Well, there's a reason. And why in the world would God send his number one most powerful archangel to battle with Satan for the body of Moses? Well, Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 3 tells us why. Find the book of Matthew. It's in the New Testament. We're going to read it real quick and then we're finished. Well, almost finished. Matthew chapter 17. It's the first book of the New Testament. Verse 1 says, Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up high on a mountain. As the men watched, Jesus appeared, changed so that his face shone like the sun, and his clothing became dazzling white. And suddenly, who? Moses and Elijah, who we know didn't die, the Bible says Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind by the Lord. And Michael, the archangel, contended for the body of Moses. Why? Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Wow. And most, a lot of biblical scholars in the book of Revelation, when we see the two witnesses, a lot of them believe that Moses is one of those. It's interesting that this Mount of Transfiguration, guess where that was? In the promised land. He made it. The book of Deuteronomy ends with some incredible words about Moses. It really says some amazing things about Moses. The last chapter. Look at verse 7. It says, Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyesight was clear. Lord, that's amazing. And he was as strong as ever. Isn't that amazing? He was as strong as ever. And look what it says in verse 10. There has never been another prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. The Lord sent Moses to perform all the miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh, all his servants in the, all of his entire land. And it was through Moses that the Lord demonstrated his mighty power and terrifying acts in the sight of all of Israel. Wow, what an amazing man. Life application, three things really quick and then we're finished. 
Deuteronomy reminds us, number one, they're in your notes, God's blessings are often conditional. God's blessings are often conditional. You'll see throughout the book of Deuteronomy, two words, if and then. If and then. If and then. If you do this, then I will do this. If you obey, then I will bless. If you do this, then. Now God's salvation, forgiveness, none of that is conditional. We know that. But a lot of times God's blessings are conditional. Are we willing to take those steps of obedience? Are we willing to follow God? Number two, compromises weaken us. We see this throughout the book of Deuteronomy. That every time the people compromised, it kept them from what God had for them in their lives. And compromises will weaken us as well. Number three, consequences follow disobedience. It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but they always catch up to us. When we deliberately go against what we know is God's plan for our life and God's plans, when we deliberately go against that, the Bible t- tells us that we, that, that we will harvest what we plant. And so when we plant disobedience, we're going to get the results of our decisions, maybe not what God wants for us. And so we know that consequences always follow disobedience, always, throughout the scripture. This is common. Throughout the scripture, what we sow is what we will reap. So we're finished with the books of the law. Next week, and over the next few weeks, you'll get to hear from some other amazing communicators from our staff. Give me a little bit of a break. And uh, as we go throughout this series all year, so Joshua next week, it's going to be an amazing week. Father, thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you for your goodness, for your love, for your concern, for your plan, for your purposes in our life. And God, I pray for each person here today. Lord, we've got to look back sometimes and learn. It's okay to do that. We also have to look back and remember how amazing you are and what you do in our lives. We can't stay back there, but it's good to glance. And God, there might be some people here today that need a time of recommitment. Maybe you're, you want to do something great in their lives. And, and oftentimes, we have to kind of reassert ourselves that we're good with you. That we're strong. That we're allowing your spirit to lead us. And God, there might be people here today that have been stuck. Maybe they're living in the past too long. And it's time to move forward. They need to leave here with a new concerted effort and strength and a renewal of your spirit within them to move forward. Enough of the excuses. Enough. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It's time to move forward. Because if you're not dead, God's not done. So God, I just pray that you bless the teaching of your word today. I pray that we don't just hear it, but that we apply it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, thank you so much for tuning in to New Hope this week. You know, the church doesn't stop when the video does. And make sure that you share this with a friend. You can even support what we're doing via the Give button here on the left. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss a single Sunday. And we cannot wait to see you this week, either in person or online. Have a great day.